Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts, where we bring you our highlights of the week in sport. We often get stuck into some media middles and we take a look. We take some prospecting for the week ahead of sporting excitement. So join me and Ben on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Ben. You'll notice I didn't say Simon in the intro. Oh, what do we do? I mean, we basically hold this podcast together while he struts his stuff, swans around. I think he's, you know, he's, I don't know, got some meetings over in America tonight. He's in LA, isn't he? Schmoozing. Yeah, he's, I think he was at the Met Gala, actually. <laughs> he was at the Met Gala. If, if Simon... Last night. Yeah, he was, um, he was in the kitchen. <laughs> He's in the washout. <laughs> he was at home watching the Met Gala all night, so he's too tired to talk sport today. We are um we are in the middle of our run of Simonless uh, content. So uh, sorry, he wants us to call in the talent, doesn't he? So we Talentless. are in the run talentless you see where I was going with that. Um hey. let's not beat on a man when he's not here. Um that's that's his job on me when when we're all together. Uh, but suffice to say, we're in a show two of three without Simon. So this week, instead of uh, rolling out Paul because he's he, we've gone back into his cupboard, back into his shrink wrap, and he's uh, gone back to sleep mode for a couple more weeks till we roll him back out. But we are going to do our best, and I'm going to do my best to talk sportings with Benjamin uh, throughout this show. So Ben, let's kick off. Let's dive in. Where are we going to start? Uh, we're going to start with. The peak of excitement, <laughs> thriller minutes of edge of your seat sporting, just levels unknown. Snooker, you know, snooker gets a bad rep. It does. I, I was I was writing my uh, my podcast notes, you know, uh, going through the sport I've consumed this weekend. The sport I think people should be consuming this weekend. And I thought, you know what? Why not start with snooker? It is not the most explosive story uh, of the weekend. And we're going to come to that. But I just want a quick mention for Ronnie. Um, Ronnie it's just O'Sullivan, a number, Ben. It's just a number. He's he's wonderful. Um, <laughs> I was writing a lot this weekend. Some university work, some of the projects, some of which were successful, some of which was quite laborious, okay? And sometimes when you have these jobs, you need some background uh, noise. It could be a Netflix sitcom. It could be whatever. Nothing for me beats it. Snooker. Absolutely the pinnacle of background sport. Maybe golf. Okay, I, I can accept golf in this conversation. <laughs> you know, the kind of sport that you can have on, and if you miss five minutes... It's not the end of the world. Whereas nothing miss... probably happened. No, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, for five minutes in uh, football, goals can go in, this, that, and the other. Um, you could miss a pot, but you can hear it. And it's kind of, it's kind of uh, cathartic uh, and wonderful. So I watched a heap of the semifinals and the final. Uh, the final was between the GOAT, Ronnie O'Sullivan, and uh, the lefty, Judd Trump, the exceptional Judd Trump. Um, but Ronnie came out on top. He won his seventh world title, moving him level with Stephen Hendry's modern era record. The quality of his play was outstanding at times. Granted, Trump wasn't at his finest, but I sometimes think that's because if your opponent's playing well, it puts so much pressure on you. So I'm going to put that to the genius of Ronnie. Uh, first prize, 500 grand. Uh, well, I don't know if there's a word for that. So a lot of money. 
Um, not a bad return. Cashed. He's f- cachet. Uh, <laughs> he's 47 this year. So I'm sure he will buy him and his wonderful family a holiday or whatever you do at that level. What kind of, what you spend that a kind little of Mazda on. MR2, a little two seater sport car thing. Oh, modest. So because of his age, he's going to go into that midlife <laughs> crisis. Um, Harley I, I Davidson. Have to agree with your summation of snooker there, Ben. As it happens, I was talking about snooker with my running pal the other day as we were running over the fields and we came to the same conclusion. It's, it's, it's the most watchable thing that if you described it to someone, they'd never, never, ever believe you that it was watchable. But it is. It's immensely watchable and it can be really gripping. Um, and I've spent many a late nights watching watching the frames uh, pass by. All right, let's move on to uh, a little more um, <laughs> from, from suited and booted and very quite, well, most of the times quite cordial to all out violence and sweat and blood and tears and fighting and betting and shouting and ringing and all the other stuff that goes with boxing, Ben. Talk to us about boxing. Yeah, you know, I'm going to take crying out um, unless they're tears of, of happiness because uh, these uh, these women do not cry. Uh, not when they're fighting anyway. They're absolute um, uh, beasts, unbelievable. Um, and, you know, on the back of that, we talk about snooker, you know, being this kind of relaxing, yes, I can say cathartic entertainment. Uh, Six million tuned in on Sunday. And that's a lot of people. Snooker is. is beloved in this country. Um, so, but also boxing. Yeah, we're going to talk about boxing. Um, this was special. Okay. Katie Taylor, Amanda, Ser- Amanda Serrano, rather, headlined The Garden. April 30th, 2022, this Saturday week gone. Madison Square Garden, Katie Taylor, and Amanda Serrano went to war. Okay, this was an instant classic. I implore every listener to go and watch the full highlights package. It's on, are we allowed to say, DAZN's YouTube account? I mean, they're a bit bigger than our podcast, aren't they? Uh, but yeah, if it's not on our pod. It's not on our YouTube. It's, it's on theirs. The video itself is trending top 20 on YouTube. That's, you know, it's nearly a million views. Uh, people love, love it. It's absolutely incredible. It's the first time in the history of boxing where two women have headlined the famous garden um, over in New York's Manhattan district. Absolutely. Katie Taylor came out on top to retain her status, undisputed lightweight champion, but it was close, split decision. Taylor was getting hammered in real danger of being stopped because of kind of a barrage, rather, of punches from Serrano. But she leaned on all her experience. She's 35 years old, I think, now, Taylor. So uh, she's been there, she's done it, and she managed to pull it out of the bag again. Um, A word I like reading this week was how Serrano pulverized Katie Taylor in the middle rounds. Like You want to go and watch this on YouTube. It is unbelievable the level these two women are at. Um, Amazing stuff, yeah. So Katie remains unbeaten, keeps a haul of belts and all the riches and glory. Um... Much like we've seen in recent men's heavyweight fights, uh, some rematches are warranted. I don't think all rematches are warranted. I think some are um, awful, quite frankly, just cash cows. But this certainly warrants a a rematch. I mean, uh, there has to be a repeat fight. And why not take it to a larger arena? Um, obviously the garden has this incredible hilt, uh, history culture. Um, but yeah, just go see if you can, you can fill out 60, 70,000, which I'm almost positive this can. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to link to to the zone a promotion allowed, but you just get yourself on YouTube. You can have a little look at this. Unbelievable. I'm sure, if people like you know Google Google the names. Yeah, Google the names. People know. Do people know of YouTube? Is that? Uh, I think the YouTube's been around a little while now. If you haven't okay. heard of it, you can Google it. Yeah, Google A, and you will find YouTube. <laughs> it's uh, very well known. Uh, there's it's at least fifty YouTube. people. <laughs> so, I don't know the the proper way of pronouncing these um, uh, niche uh, sports it's www dot hootubay dot com. <laughs> okay, there you go. You've got. We'll put, we'll put that link in the no, show notes. Be breaking myself. Um, there's a, there's a tweet I want to read from Amanda Serrano. But seriously, go watch this. Absolutely incredible. Uh, the fact is, it proves. Um, just how far women's boxing has come that it's uh, basically been regarded as the fight of the year um, and probably one of the, the, the best fights in women's history. Uh, Amanda Serrano on her Twitter said, Hey, my people, I didn't get the decision tonight, but congrats to Taylor, uh, who promised we would rock the house. I'm happy we made women's boxing look great tonight. Now I go and start spending some of this money, lol. Now, I mean, <laughs> firstly, it's actually great to see a boxer go, yeah, I've got a, I've got a heap of cash. I deserved it. I've worked my ass off for that every morning. I'm in the gym training at God knows what time, putting in the work. Amanda, go and enjoy your cash. Um, go on holiday or, again, whatever people, whatever these sports stars spend their money on. Maybe, MR2, ben. There you go. Are we, <laughs> we sponsoring the MR2 tonight? Um, but... I mean, quality, absolutely quality there that she's congratulated Taylor because this was a close decision. Could have could have swung the other way. It, it, it didn't, for me, feel like a split decision when you look back. Um, but, yeah, unbelievable, Dan. Special. All right. Well, let's, let's stick with boxing. You want to have a quick, um, I expect, recap of uh, Fury v. White? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, poignant, if it if we're allowed to say it's poignant on the last Wednesday of the week podcast, uh, that we put I mean, it's Fury... not a banned word. <laughs> no, but if the, 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 it's not poignant <laughs> that we do it. No one cares. Uh, but <laughs> that we put Fury uh, and the White, a uh, Fury White fight, uh, way behind the women's fight. Uh, because for me, that's what it felt like. It felt like a bit of an anticlimax. It's the second biggest boxing news that we missed last week because we had the Formula One special. And there doesn't seem to be many Formula One boxing crossover opportunities at this point um, know. well now we've got the driver's room back you never know oh my we do don't we i'm looking forward to uh yeah, looking forward to discuss that hopefully we're going to get some multi 21 subs in the future uh but yeah tyson fury comfortably beat dylan white retained all his belts retained his own unbeaten record generally cemented himself as one of the all-time greats did this fight do that cementing no did he have to do it no did it affect what is a glitter glittering a career no it was never a contest. We spoke about it, you know, a few months ago. White can be dangerous, but not to someone of Tyson's level. So for me, it was a weaker climax than the maybe previous trilogy with Deontay Wilder. That could have been the point at where he stopped. Um, but nevertheless, this is probably his last fight. What it seems to me, the way he's talked, um, since there's no one else for him to fight, effectively. He's got tens of millions in the bank, uh, unbeaten still, huge worldwide that's, support. That's a lot of MRTs. 
Oh, he is good. He could have one for each Please. of his children. I mean, he has so <laughs> many, many pounds, um, many of the pounds, but retirement beckons. Uh, he's charismatic. We love Tyson Fury, uh, but no way was this fight worth watching the highlights of. Uh, okay. So if you've got, if you've got two minutes, 50 uh, or whatever it is, uh, or 15 minutes, however long the highlights are, these are the highlights to watch, not the Tyson uh, white ones. So there you oh. go. That's that's some Benny knowledge bombs dropped. Some top tips. Top tips. All right, let's let's move from the boxing ring to the global political ring, Ben. Oh and that's my. the news this week that Wimbledon have flat out banned Russian athletes from the uh, world famous grass tennis court uh, championship. Um this year, owing to the ongoing ev- invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces. So uh, a lot of people have come out against this, Ben. What's what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, there's a, still a war going on. Now, Andy Murray is the latest high-profile tennis player to comment on the Wimbledon ban on Russian and Belarusian athletes. He says he's not supportive of the decision to ban those players from this summer's competition. Now, it's a tricky situation, okay? Obviously, and it's worth to just just lay this out, it's not a tricky in comparison to what is happening in Ukraine. It's all, frankly, irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. And we do hope a resolution can be found, however that might seem. Uh, Obviously, you know, this sporting news seems to be keeping... Sadly, uh, Ukraine in the news cycle at the moment uh, it seems to be uh, the flavor of the month changes so quickly um, in these safer parts. Uh, but Wimbledon kind of bind. They're effectively following uh, what's called a directive set out by the government. Wimbledon probably at no point want to say, no, we're, we're not going to follow the government's um, advice. We're going to do our own thing. Uh, because that can affect funding, it can affect uh, many things. Um, you know, so the decision not to allow Russian or Belarusian uh, athletes to compete is not entirely their own, um, and you're never going to get a full agreement. But I personally think it is important. It is a sanction. Okay, it proves that Putin cannot do what he wants. Uh, will this sanction hurt him? Probably not. Uh, okay, I mean, will it hurt the? The, the the players? Absolutely, because most of these players don't support his war. But how can we sort of just let athletes and everything carry on as normal without consequence, given what's happening over there? This is a decision that's been made at the governmental level. Uh, Wimbledon are following suit. They've had a turbulent couple of years with COVID, like everyone has. They want a good tournament. We're going to miss out on a couple of the best players, Medvedev, Rublev, a few absolutely stunning um uh, players, unbelievable levels. Uh, but personally, I think it, it just is an effect. It has, it's, it's a consequence. It's part of the sanctions. It has to happen. I don't actually have all the answers myself, but what I do know is the continuing war in Ukraine dominates the sporting landscape. Uh, I just, I hope fighting has stopped by July. Then we wouldn't have to talk about it. We'll just go, okay, fantastic. But quite frankly, I think that might be optimistic. Yeah, I uh, agree with that statement, Ben. Um, 
But suffice to say, we, we almost certainly haven't heard the last word on this, given how far out we are still from the championship. And um, yeah, as we've said before, many times this will rumble on in the world of sport. Okay, so Ben alluded to it earlier on. Uh, last week, there was, um, of course, the NFL draft and a gazillion, it seems, mock drafts took place, including our very own crossover with shutdown coverage with Simon and our very own Ben. Uh, you can go and find that on YouTube. But um, Ben, give us the big stories. Well, I'm going to give you the big story. Uh, give, us the special. give us the big story. Yeah, I did a special and you should go and listen to it. No, you shouldn't listen to it now because it was a mock draft. So it's completely irrelevant now. It's dead content. <laughs> uh, it goes into the, um, the, the annals of Argon dead. Bin. Yeah, the archive um, of Utube's dead content. <laughs> uh, it's no use to anybody anymore. Uh, so don't listen to it. But know that it's there and we did it. We did a thing. Um Big stories. Trayvon Walker, defensive edge out of Georgia, got chosen with the coveted, this all-important overall number one pick. Means nothing. Just means maybe he gets an extra few bucks. Um, is now with the Jacksonville Jaguars for the next four years. This draft was super American. Like proper glitzy, blingy, bit shouty kind of weird for a european taste if i'm honest but you sort of get involved uh, it was um recorded over in, in in las vegas it was the first time they've ever had the draft from las vegas and they built a stage on the uh water uh sorry the um uh, pond outside the bellagio casino and the fountain you know where that famous las yeah, vegas yeah, fountain is yeah all this kind of thing but it was addictive tv uh, my sleep schedule is erratic to say the least uh i was up till three in the morning i just i went you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna see who the first pick is is it gonna be agent Aiden hutchinson out of michigan or is it gonna be trayvon walker it was one of the two defensive edges and i thought i'll, I'll watch the first pick and it gets you in it grips you you know because it's the team now detroit lions are on the clock they've got 15 minutes when they pick the next team's on the clock and suddenly you get spiraled out of control three hours later and two packets of Oreos. And it's not really helped my life in any way. Uh, but, you know, there that, that are PB highlights. in your marathon next year started. took a, took <laughs> a bit just, of a step away. It's, it's what happens with sports. Sometimes sports, they get you, they grip you, they don't let go. You just watch it. That's part of the entertainment, I guess. Um, one thing to consider, though, for all of our many listeners, before you become a fan of U.S. sports, be aware of the time difference. Just bear in mind the time difference is not kind. You will lose some sleep during the year to your beloved uh, team, whether it's MLB, MLB is a bit easier, granted, but NFL, NHL, whatever that may be. Just consider that for future US sport fans. Uh, but yeah, the draft is done. Next story is the schedule. We get the schedule release. There's like a full day for that. No idea. They just, you know, in the in the Premier League soccer, they just release it online one day. But no, this is a big schedule release. That's because they don't know how then, to make money out of it yet. It's like the yeah, Americans have found out how to make money out of it. They're very, very clever at that, aren't they? Um, and then we get to the business end uh, where you actually go and earn your Mazda MR2s. And that'll be <laughs> around September, I think, the league starts. 
So Ben, a couple of top tips from Ben already in this show. One is to wow. skip the Fury White fight and go and watch the highlights of Taylor v Serrano, and the other is to um, just be mindful of your time zone when getting into American sports. There we are, public service broadcasting broadcasting at its finest. Um, let's move on then. So uh, Ben, I've got a few highlights for you actually. I don't normally come with that many, but I thought with Simon not here. I thought I'd better fill some of his uh, big, big old shoes. Um, so I've got, uh, I caught a bit of the new qualifying format, Ben, in Formula E at the weekend. Okay. Now I know you're not a Formula E fan, and I understand the reasons why, but I do enjoy watching it. Okay. Um, but in Monaco, they trialed a new version of the qualifying format. Uh, and what this does is essentially turn it from you know, X amount of time where they all just try and get out on track, find some space and blast a lap out to a knockout style almost uh, or to, to ordering the group. So they have two groups of 11 go out uh, first. The top four from each then go into a quarterfinals, then semis, then a final. And that determines the order of the race start. But when they were doing the, the quarters and the semis, of course, there's only two cars on track and they do it time trial style. So they, there's a delay between them. Um, and what you were able to see was just two drivers battling out clean air on a clean track, especially somewhere like Monaco. You don't really get to see racing anyway. And um, it's such a short track that they what they did on TV, they, they had it where they delayed one of the feeds. So you could see them almost, not real time, but battling on the same bit of track at the same time. And you could see how they were edging against each other and stuff like that. And I quite, I honestly, I quite liked it. And I wonder if, that's you know that being able to play around with a format like that might start to make something of Monaco, which Monaco is losing, um, and that is any kind of excitement in Formula racing. Um, so I didn't hate it. Um, I did unfortunately then go on to miss the rest of the weekend uh, of racing, but I did manage to catch that. And I don't know it from a Monaco point of view. So not from an FE a Formula E point of view, but from a Monaco point of view, I think time trials have got something yeah, to add. I think I think anything that they they can do to uh, modernize Monaco Grand Prix um, is yeah. is important. You know, you you've got the glamour of the Monaco Grand Prix, and you've got the 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 money, the wealth, the opulence at times. Yeah. But the actual racing is is drab on a Sunday nowadays. Yeah. The cars are too big. Really I actually is. saw a real interesting uh, Renault size comparison the other day. It was two thousand and five Renault Formula One, which was uh, <laughs> Alonso's title winning Formula One. Um, the successful partnership with Benetton and, and Flavio Briatore back in those days. You know, compared to this year's Renault, you know, it, I mean, the difference. It looks like a I like a little matchbox uh, car, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like comparing a, a Mini to a big Volvo Estate, really, yeah. kind of strange. And you can see why these cars can't pass. They're simply too big for the Monaco roads. So, what yeah. is the point? Why not change the format? Bring in something like sprint racing, uh, you know, and and these dis- these formulas rather help discussions. People will look at Formula E and go. Um, yeah. Oh, that interesting! That worked. People watched that. That was engaging. That was entertaining. Let's go. Let's be brave. Let's try it. Yeah. We're going to do a time trial. Maybe a relay time trial with the cars, with the teams. There's so many. I mean, I could sit here and list ten different ways yeah. you could try something new. It can't be that hard. Well, one thing we know for sure is Liberty Media are up for playing for the format, and certainly yeah. various sentiments on Twitter earlier. You know, people see, are seeing it. They're they're playing with the weekend. 
They're playing with what they can get out of it. They're playing with changing it from all eyes on Sunday to all eyes across all days, uh, you know, with more sprint races coming left, right and centre. So who knows? Anyway, let's stick with Formula One for a little bit. And the news that Alpine have um, recruited Alice Powell as the talent identification and development mentor. So forgive um, me for not remembering that. It doesn't roll off that. the tongue. <laughs> but she's uh, for Alpine's Driver Academy. Uh, but essentially her role will be one of um, identifying and spotting talent coming through, but also with a particular eye on uh, female talent that's coming through uh, the Driver Academies. Um, and uh, she joins in the ranks of Abby Pulling, also from W Series. And I wonder, you know, and with, um, oh, uh, I can't remember her name now. Uh, really successful one that's with Williams. Oh goodness, Ben, you'll know her name. Are you talking winner about winner of W Series? Um, uh, what the, yes. oh, the 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 female driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I forget her name. I don't watch. I've completely gone from my head. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to mention. It, so I didn't write it down. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> um, she... Oh my God, I'm not firing all the cylinders tonight, you can tell. Um, anyway, she joins the ranks of these kind of things. So my question really, Ben, is is this how W Series is going to work? Is this how it's going to be successful in terms of the drivers aren't necessarily going to go ahead and get a seat in Formula One immediately, but what they are going to start joining is these talent departments, these development departments, these academy departments, and just being more present, being more about, and being more visible to women coming through and therefore eventually that might see into formula one i don't yeah. know what do you think I, I think jamie chadwick i think was the name that you yeah, that's right i mean she's God. she's only the most famous uh female driver in the, but but that's really important actually there because um and i think that the whole segment there is really important because if jamie chadwick was racing in formula one right now that name would have rolled off your tongue Hundred percent. You can yeah. name every single driver in Formula One. You can name most reserve drivers for some of the teams in Formula One. You can name team bosses in Formula One. Some people can, you know, go and name the uh, chief operating uh, fluid dynamicists. You know, and, and this is the problem because they're there in the show. We need mm -hmm. a female driver in the show. I don't believe these feeder series are as aggressive as simply putting someone in that seat and backing her. Um, yeah. There's no doubt that Jamie Chadwick could be doing as good a job, if not better than um, uh, Zoe. I, I say his name because he's new into Formula 1 this year, but, but comes with massive funding, but he's miles off the pace of his teammate. Um, but any time Formula 1 has... Uh, new uh, female blood into the sport is a good thing because... I mean, you know, Formula One has been built on misogyny. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, it's been built on on uh, the men's only club attitude, which has got no place yeah. in modern society. So Formula One um, should just be braver for me, Dan, and, and go and I get the, um, the Jamie Chadwicks of the world in a racing seat. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then finally, just sticking with Formula One, Audi and Porsche. Have, yes. Um, now more formally announced that they're coming back rather than just made noises about coming back. So, you know, still uh, what that looks like uh, will yet to take shape. But um, suffice to say, some big names coming into Formula One um, at a sprint race that's not a race near you soon. At a sprint um, race near you soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right, that'll do for highlights because we want to spend a bit, a bit of time, a bit, a bit of time, a little bit of time even talking about uh, something Ben's brought to the 
to the pod this week. Um, but if you want to find out what we've been up to over the last week, you can find all you need to across Twitter and Instagram at Wednesday Pod on either. You can find out where our videos are. We're on YouTube. Search for us last Wednesday pod, um, last Wednesday of the week. And um, yeah, we're starting to put stuff on there as well. Um, and if you want to find out more about shutdown coverage, you can find at shutdown cover on Twitter as well. Benjamin, huzzah! Mino Raiola. Yeah, you uh, you uh, spoke that perfectly, I believe. Mino Raiola. One of the legends of footballing game for many different reasons uh, died. Uh, over the weekend, 54 years old, the football agent extraordinaire. Um, he first of all, we say he leaves a loving family. So before we talk about the role, the responses, and the undoubted impact and controversy at times um, on an area of real interesting, real interesting area in football, uh, we we obviously offer condolences to his family. The media never portrays people as they are in real life. Um, you know, us boring humans just don't sell papers. Um, so we can never really know what kind of man he was. Uh, but I'm sure his family have received endless letters of condolences. Uh, and we wish them all the best, of course, um, in the morning period. Uh, so in terms of actual, the actual man himself, Minoriola, uh, there was some odd speculation that he died three three days earlier and it turned out to be a false report but was picked up by a lot of media outlets because it's big news this man's name is big news he'd been suffering from an illness for a while apparently he had surgery earlier this year was not successful so uh, rest in peace good sir uh, but i want to talk about his legacy his career um and uh, really his impact lasting impact which is uh, really far-reaching, actually. Uh, there are not many football fans you come across who don't know who Mino Raiola was. He was the agent for some of the world's highest-profile football players, responsible for his football players' transfers, uh, contracts, endorsements, general employment. You know, these guys are, are really there to help their player move clubs, embed in that club, get paid for what they do. Um, so, you know, it could be visas or work eligibility documents or whatever else. Uh, get straight off the bat, okay? This guy was smart. Mino Raiola was a smart man, fluent in seven different languages, built a career from nothing. His parents uh, ran a little restaurant. Um, his dad, I believe, was a mechanic and then, you know, retrained to be able to make pizzas, that kind of thing. Um, he was able in his career to collect high-profile names and was very vocal about the role of the agent in a football player's career. He ran the Football Forum, uh, which represented leading agents and their players. Uh, but most of all, and one thing that's a common thread when you read the obituaries um, and these sort of endless profile pieces over the last couple of days has been his belief in his players. He was so fiercely protective, uh, compassionate. He never missed a birthday, never missed a call from those players he represented. In fact, one uh, article in the Financial Times uh, said that he uh, reported a few years back that he spends 30 days a year at home with his family in Monaco. Instead, he spends the other 335 days with the players he represents. You know, he, he's a dad. You know, can you imagine being only at home for 30 days a year? You know, it's an immense commitment to the cause. It's a big, big amount of time. 
Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. And, you know, people don't see from behind the scenes. Yeah, he had the riches and what we may look at the jet set lifestyle, but it certainly was jet set constantly moving, uh, constantly living out of hotels um, and that kind of life. Comes with the territory, of course. Uh, currently, there's a negotiation that could change the landscape of world football, um, and that's not sensationalistic. Uh, he's overseeing, or was overseeing, rather, the Erling Haaland deal, one of the most desired players in world football. He looks like to be imminently moving to Manchester City. Um, so that will be then taken over by his team, his collective. Uh, he ran, um, which is super interesting, uh, his accountancy firm was named Maguire Tax and Legal. He named that after the film Jerry Maguire um, because of the phrase, <laughs> show me the money. Uh, so he had a bit of a sense of humor as well. A couple of name jobs. We all love a name job. Okay, He, is 70, uh, he left 77 clients, including, most famously, Manchester United's Paul Pogba. He also had some world legend players like Donnarumma, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, Balotelli, uh, Matthias De Ligt, big transfer over to Spain, and many other house, uh, to Juventus rather, and many other household names um, over the years, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He was vocal. Currently, on the table, Mineraola holds contracts that value $848 million. One of the big plays that he made was moving Pogba back from Juventus, uh, back to Manchester United, where he was as a young lad, in a deal worth £89 million. That at the time was a world record deal. Raiola took home, out of that £89 million deal, £41 million. Wow, now, big payday. We're talking 50% fees. <laughs> like, how do you how do you even put together a deal where you're charging a club 89 million for a player and 40 of that's going to you? How do you even put that together with both clubs? How how does that even work? <laughs> this man must have been a silver tongue assassin. Unbelievable, crazy figures. Um but there was a story uh, I read. I've read loads of stories about his life, and I'm, I'm kind of really interested, being enthralled by it. Um, which it, which is certain happens certainly happens to a lot of people. There's going to be a book, right? There's going to be a book about this. A film, life. a book, absolutely, there will be. You know, this happens to all of us when we see um, sporting stars or big names die because you know humans are interested in mortality, and these people have massive impacts. So you want to read and see what other people thought of them to to, to mar against your own, uh, so to balance against your own opinions, that kind of thing. But there was a story in the Guardian. Um, it said that nothing can beat what unfolded in Turin in 2019. It was around the time that he'd uh, organized the Matthias de Ligt transfer to the uh, to Juventus. So they arrived at the Juventus stadium. And uh, he sort of, you know, put this together because it had excellent relations with uh, Pavel Nedved, uh, the Juventus chairman, uh, or vice president, whatever he was at the time. Um, and when Raiola got out, the Juventus fans were just shouting his name, Raiola, 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 or Mino, 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 whatever it would have been. And this is a football agent. This is a <laughs> just a, a, a guy who represents the footballer. They should be like shouting the footballer's name, and they were shouting his name because he got the deal over the line. He made it done. They they saw and appreciate what he does for the the player. Yes. He turned a book. I mean, he made a quid. 
but he was fiercely, fiercely uh, protective of his players. Um, and people realize that, you know, he was a very smart man and the world of football is aware of him. Um, his communication ability was world-class, one of the absolute best to ever do it. Um, and it was just, obviously, I thought it was worth talking about. Now, I reckon before this podcast, you've never heard of the name Minareola. Uh, I had not, although I remember you speaking about him just a few weeks back, I think. Uh, last year, a year ago. I was it a year ago, but you have spoken about him. Of course, yeah. Um, it all, all blends into one. Uh, it it's does. pandemic time. I'm still blaming the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have spoken about him before as a divisive character. Yeah, and he was a divisive character. You know, you look at the likes of Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson um, disliked the man immensely. He called him a shitbag, uh, which, you know, classic um, way with words there from Alex Ferguson because Alex Ferguson was a manager of Manchester United and he had dealings with Raiola. Um, and he, he said it found it very difficult he said like uh, him and Raiola were oil and water. Um, but, right, you know, Mino had gone on to say that he had a few meetings with Ferguson and uh, a couple of them were the most fun he's ever had in his entire life. You know, <laughs> and I, I actually love those quotes. Like That's, that's like a troll. Yeah, like kind of trolling. But, a good troll. Yeah, but he did say that that he hated um, being referred to as, uh, he was referred to as a parasite in his career. Um, and Mino said, he, you know, it was not nice to hear that stuff, that he actually just loved his clients. He worked hard. Um, as a kid, he he cleaned dishes, waited on tables, was a bit of a barman. Like he, he came up from real basic upbringings, a Dutch Italian background, um, but put his time in to learn these languages. And uh, uh, yeah, we just thought it was worth talking about him. Rest in peace. Hope um, he's put a lasting legacy. He certainly put the price of players up. He certainly impacted the whole football landscape or him and another couple of agents at that level. Um, and football may never be the same again without these agents because uh, this is at a sort of time when you had one person that was responsible for all these players. There's a lot of changes in um, football, English Football Association regulations, which mean family members can now be uh, your agent so they can represent you in negotiations you know uh, Manchester United's uh, forward Marcus Rashford his brother Dane Rashford is responsible for his career uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold who's currently playing now for Liverpool um, his uh, her brother his brother rather um, is responsible for his career and you know players like Pulisic and Jordan Ebay is a very new thing now for your family to then look after your career so maybe these times are changing maybe Minerola is the last of the great big player agents giga, giga who, agents yeah the giga agents meta agents <laughs> who absolutely terrorize clubs um you know and can you even imagine uh having so uh, ben tell me on. what what's what's the um what's the alternative for a club so they want a particular player right and that player has rightfully chosen an agent that they think will get them a good deal that's normal. The, that's the normal way these things work. So why why would a club be so against that being him? Because because he's not... able to extract so much value. Is it because they're aggrieved to having to pay it? Because then they they know they're going to have to because they want that player and they're just going to have to pay it. Um, like, or what's the alternative? They don't pay it and a player goes somewhere else. Like, 
I mean, in terms of the Juventus Man United Pogba deal, um, it's like um, you've bought a new car recently, Dan. It's like you taking an agent along and the agent going, okay, right, so actually, Dan, you're going to pay twice that amount for that car. Uh, the seller is only going to receive the same amount and I'm going to take the cut because I've organized this deal. You know, you're actually getting this this huge um, balance between two vast entities um, and he's that making the money. That doesn't work. So that doesn't f- work as an analogy. I think it does work as an analogy because they're... No, because you're basically saying the football player is going to play, pay, pay to play. No, but the the the, <laughs> the so Manchester United paid eighty nine million for Paul Pogba, and only uh, forty eight of that went to Juventus. So Juventus only got forty eight million pounds for a player in the biggest transfer of all time. The agent got forty one million. Yeah. So in this analogy, I'm Man United because I'm buying the car. Absolutely. Right. And the seller is yeah. uh, the, the yeah. So you're buying the Mazda MR2, and uh, <laughs> we've all lost money. No, but what I'm and saying I'm is, paying, yeah, these yeah. deals are incredible. Uh, but the reason, but, but these... what I pay for an MR2, I could have bought. Um, I don't know. A uh, Porsche Boxster. Yeah, or three. I don't know the price <laughs> of cars, Dan. I don't know no, the price of milk anymore. I'm so famous. I know uh, the but... price of cars that are very close to the scrap heap. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the 500 to 1500 value range. Uh, <laughs> the uh, one thing is, though, these agents spin. They got a big spin, so they they build a spin in a player unhappy, disgruntled. They sow uh, doubt seeds of doubt, and they force moves. You know, there the is media. a real dark side to this agentry world, uh, which we're not going to go into today because obviously we uh, are pushed for time. But yep. nevertheless, Minoriola, rest in peace. Uh, great wishes to his family. Um, I'm sure they're part of his legacy as well. Um, and the football landscape will never quite be the same again. There we go. Well, watch this space. Um, ben, uh, I think it's time that we move on to look ahead in the week in sport. However, there is one new story that I didn't mention that I think I'd quite like to. Because um, having uh, recently done a marathon, and Ben, you having recently been bitten by the marathon bug. Yeah. We haven't, and we we spoke about it a couple of weeks back because you and Simon both quite rightly took the piss out of me for moaning about doing one marathon when... Um, uh, this lady had done 100 marathons back-to-back across 100 days. Yeah. Fast forward to today's news item uh, about uh, the um, 104 marathons. 104, Ben, count them. 104 marathons. Don't count past 100, sorry, Dan. <laughs> run in 104 days by Jackie Hunt Brosman, Brosma, sorry, uh, and she did this with a prosthetic limb, lower limb on her left leg. So she um, had a leg amputated um, as a result of having bone cancer. So they uh, chopped the leg off to save her, essentially. Um, so she took up running, uh, literally dived all in on that, and then did. It was aiming to do 100 marathons, saw that someone had recently broken the 100 marathon in 100 days, so she just carried on to the end of April to do 104. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic one-up story, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's now uh, yeah broken the record for a um, 104 marathons in 104 days. At the time of her... Um, saying that she was going to start it, the record was 95. So in that time, it's gone from 100 to 101 to 104. 
Uh, so we're expecting someone to one up that again in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow it'll be just carry on. Um, yeah. I mean, the, where's it going to stop? Earlier this afternoon, I went into the kitchen for a, a drink, and I thought, you know what? I, I can't be asked to make. <laughs> yeah, I pulled a hamstring. <laughs> I thought, you know what? I can't be asked to make a cup of tea. I'll just have a glass of water. And these guys <laughs> have the <laughs> these guys have the energy and desire and focus to run marathon after marathon after marathon. And I, yeah, you know what? They're not having to do it at the same time. Ben. They're not having to boil the kettle. <laughs> exactly. But to be fair, they no do one, have support crews. You cannot do this stuff without support crews. The trouble. <laughs> the trouble I've seen. Um, uh, yeah, but big, yeah. The, Big, the, big event that I've actually been watching a lot of YouTube videos over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Utube, sorry, um, the Utube. Crest Trail and the Barkley Marathons. Who the, this Crest Trail is four thousand two hundred kilometers from Mexico to Canada, um, and you have to run two marathons a day for fifty-two days. Um, there is just, I mean, unbelievable. This one guy who who ran these. Um, he, he, he finished in July and he said he got the feeling in his feet back at Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, dad, do you think, do you think uh, the rest of the human population should emulate this or do you think it's okay to just leave that to the crazy people? I think it depends what you're asking people to emulate. If you're asking people to emulate doing, um, bat to bat marathons every day for however many days, uh, I'm not sure because for some people that would quite literally be a death sentence. And yeah, I, I, I don't mean that. Yeah, um, flippantly. But the sentiment of pushing oneself to your own limits and finding what they are and challenging yourself, uh, I think, is very important. Whatever that means, whether it's physical or mental, uh, what that means for you will be completely unique to you. And I think there's um, there's value in finding out your own capabilities. And the limits Absolutely. of that. Absolutely, so, yes. yes. Mine um, it would be stopped at the kettle switch. <laughs> so it's I a particularly have a, stiff switch. <laughs> I have a lot of personal growth. But, you know, uh, Raiola is an example of that story, is you, you, you can forge a life um, through, through determination, hard work, and you can change the landscape of sport and any other um, uh, area you go into. Uh, and it's also important to say it's absolutely okay if you can't do these things as well. You shouldn't feel any I can't. less of a person uh, I... for not pushing yourself on a daily basis. And frankly, just getting out of bed and getting to the other end of the day is sometimes a massive achievement, regardless of who you are or where absolutely. you are. So um, please note that. Um, all right, let's move on. What's looking ahead, Ben? What have we got coming up? Um, so, talk to me. It's, it's, it's no, it's no surprise to any of our listeners that we record this on Tuesday night. It's no surprise to any of our listeners that I'm a Liverpool fan. It's also no surprise to any of our listeners the dedication I showed to this podcast by recording when Liverpool are in Champions League semi-final second leg action. As we went live, we were two 0 down. We were drawing, looking absolutely terrible. We've since scored a couple of goals. Hence, you can hear the voice perked up a little bit. I might even have energy for a cup of tea after this. Uh, <laughs> we uh, uh, we are looking like there could be a possible final run. Uh, so we do have Champions League action coming up. But yeah, tonight's game, as you're listening to this, Wednesday night's game, City versus Real Madrid. The first game was 4-3 to City. Absolutely enthralling. Tune in. A uh, bit more sports action coming up over the weekend. But I think, Dan, there is a Formula 1 race. 
There is, Ben. It's wow. the first Miami Grand Prix. Wow. Complete with fake harbour. A fake now harbour. Explain. So, Formula One, uh, by all accounts, did not have permission to race around the real harbour. So they've literally put in some decking, painted it to look like water, <laughs> plonked some boats on top of it, uh, and put it within the track to make it look like they're racing around a harbour. Now, Formula One is almost a place in it where it can give master classes on how to do bad looks. And I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't know. Convince me otherwise that this isn't one, one for the books. I, I, I don't... I get what they're trying to do. It's the first race in Miami. There's so much hype. If there's anything we know about Formula One, it loves a hype train. Yeah. And um, the teams are all going for it with their kind of um, their gear and their special edition caps and shirts and all sorts. And, you know, their um, GTA Vice City style posters for the weekend. And it's, you know, it's on and on and on. It's, that's fine because, you know, the racing will be interesting. It's a new track. It's always fun to watch. But, I don't know. It's just weird. It's a bit weird. As, or it's just a set. It's a prop. I mean, it's for TV. Yeah. Does it matter? You know, I actually think that Formula One are planning for the future because I understand that Miami <laughs> is is to be underwater. So those boats uh, are, there, are there for next year. They are. They are there. There's a future planning. I, I no, I mean, as someone who's who's actually uh, writing a dissertation on Formula One's messages, uh, pro environmental, they are an enigma. Uh, they are. <laughs> Um, they are. Uh, they are drowning in hypocrisy most days. Uh, but but the, the the idiosyncrasies of Formula One is why we tune in. It's part of the romance of the sport. Um, the a bad message after bad message. But I can tell you what: this weekend Miami's going to be on the TV, and it's going to be an yeah. absolute barnstorm. And sometimes a new track uh, can really, really be good fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll be glued to that this weekend. Um, and Ben, so. I was out at the weekend, you know, going out, seeing some friends, Good. Uh, a beer festival local to me. Uh, a lot of fun was had. Um, but I met a guy who's a massive cricket fan. Huge. Okay, okay. Played cricket all his life, plays in the local teams, this, that, and the other. Um, and I spoke to him about sports and podcasting. And the first thing, he, I, I was basically trying to get another listener. And the first thing he said to me, without skipping a beat, was, I'll come on the show. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's had a few beers. Um, but we all had. Um, so we <laughs> we, may, we, may, we may well be bringing cricket to a multi multi sports podcast to you very soon. We are we replacing Simon with cricket? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, maybe, but uh, I don't know. Simon, come back uh, if you're listening. Um, we I don't know, but but I mean, there's nothing scheduled. But I know that we've had people say, "Talk about cricket, talk about cricket," and none of us can talk about cricket. None of us watch it. Um, but uh, there's a strong possibility we'll have some cricket action coming up, Ben. And listen, if they can force us to watch it, they force, that was the wrong word. If they can persuade us to watch it, um, then... Second biggest sport in the world. Exactly. I mean, you know, I think uh, 4 billion people watch soccer. I think 
two billion people watching uh, um, watch cricket. Obviously, large parts of that in India and the UK. Uh, so yeah, exciting times. Yeah, there you go. So we'll keep you posted on that. Um, but I think we've reached the end of our show for this week. Uh, once again, without Sai, um, he will not be back with us next week either. He is jet setting around the world once again. Um, but Ben and I will be back uh, with more of our regular um, scheduled uh, stuff for you. So, um, Ben, all that's left for me to say this week is I've been Dan. And I've been Ben. Until next week on the last Wednesday of the week, be kind. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.